gentlemen it's sunday so you know what that means i'm not talking about nfl football i'm talking about the rap lab rap lab it's your boy the candy man twenty dollars cash tax free whatever you need come see me it's the alfre to the d to g or not to g is the question y'all know who it is y'all know what i do always keeping it true it's the q and y'all know who i be the dreads that always gets the bread and I'm still the same. Your boy T.O. And y'all know the question that still remains. What's the dealio? And uh, shout outs to our main man, Rev Barber MC, who yes, unfortunately yes. could not join us this week. Uh, I hope his Philadelphia Eagles are doing well. And I hope Rev is doing well and we catch him next week. Uh, with that being said, shout out to the Rev. Yes, yep. Yes, and uh, s- since the Rev is not here to make the announcement, I got to do it for him because, you know, we like to support independent businesses here on the Rap Lab. So if you need a haircut, go see our brother, the Rev Barber MC at Cubero Cuts. That's at 9504 89th Street, Ozone Park, Queens, New York. Uh, he cuts my hair. I don't trust nobody else to cut my hair. Always does a good job. Again, that's uh, 9504 89th Street, Ozone Park. And as long as supplies last, if the kids get a haircut, they get notebooks, pencils, pens. They get in school supplies. So make sure y'all uh, go see Rev at Q-Burrow Cuts. Also, I know y'all seen the picture on Instagram, the hottest album cover. That's not an album cover that's out right now. Uh, the Rap Lab t-shirts is on sale. Uh, we got them at teespring.com slash Rap Lab logo. If you want to see how they look, there's a picture of all four of us in them. Two pictures with all four of us in them t-shirts, matter of fact. So uh, definitely. Uh, we got a, a special guest coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, QG, should we uh, speak on it or, or let let them, let let the people be surprised? I think we should let the people be surprised. They're going to be very happy with this one. All right. So we got a the only hint I'm gonna drop. The man had a gold album. So there you hey. go. All right. So the topic for today, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to discuss our favorite debut albums. Now, as you know, on the Rap Lab is criteria, as always. So mixtapes do not count in this in this uh, endeavor. Must be a studio album. So if somebody says 50 Cent, you cannot say 50 Cent is the future or guess who's back. Uh, if you pick Kendrick Lamar, you cannot say Section 80. So mixtapes do not count. However, EPs do count. So for somebody out there who wants to pick Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, you could uh you're more than welcome to pick uh creeping on a come up. So with that being said, uh we're gonna talk about why they're our favorite debut albums. And uh also if if uh if it's a member of a group and they have their first solo project, you can also pick that as well. So with that being said, I know this man said before we started recording. It's too much for him to pick, so we're going to pick him first and put the pressure on. So, T.O., tell us, what's the deal? I know a lot of people may say this is their favorite debut album. You guys might have it as well. If you do, I'm sorry, but I have to start off with Escobar season himself, Mr. Nas, Illmatic. Oh, very nice pick. Talk, talk to him. pick for the start. Well, first of all, a lot of people, if you're not known about me, I'm, I love, back in the days, the whole jazzy rap type samples, the jazzy rap type productions and stuff. But before we get to that, let's start with Nas himself. This, is, was, this was a time that you, you could say that, um, you know, the whole war between MC Shan and, and Karis one was happening and stuff, uh, dude, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I said that. But... Some people may have said like Queensbridge was in a downfall after they, you know, we claimed that Shan lost to KRS-One. 
But that's until you have this guy, Mr. Nasir himself, come in with the whole Illmatic. And I, and I always love the, the, the behind the scenes of how Illmatic, there's a lot of pictures of it. But when you look at Nas's Illmatic, it was perfect. He talked so much about what goes on in the black culture lifestyle, the urban poverty and and it's just many stuffs. The lyricism was on point. And this was also around the time that when you had West Coast dominating and then you had people like there was other rap artists in the East Coast around then too, shifting the momentum back to New York. But I also felt Nas was one of the people that helped shift the momentum back to New York, not to mention Queens was back on track. That's how I took it. The lyricism was always on point. And then, of course, the production. Don't get me started because you have top tier productions that knew how to lace Nas's style for his album. To Pete Rock, to DJ Premier, to Q-Tip, to the LES himself, Large Pro, shout out to him, and many others. Of course, one of my favorite songs will always be The World Is Yours. But my number one favorite song off that album will always be One Love. Q-Tip, you're a damn genius for that production. Nas, you just went the fuck off. That's all I can say. But I love the I love the creativity to that album. He took time. And like I said, the producers knew what to lace Nas with so it could fit with his style the way he wanted it. And this is why Illmatic is one of my favorite albums. It's in the what Library of Congress. Nas had a uh, the what's those guys? The National Orchestra Sympathy or Symphony, sorry, that helped perform with him in DC a few years ago. Me and Chris talked about this. So yeah, that's that's off the back one of my favorite debut albums ever. Good and choice. Of, Very good choice. And a lot of people forget that not only is that a good pick for a debut album, but that that was one of the albums that you know helped turn the tide uh, and brought the East Coast back. Yeah, ninety four was a was a good year for New York, and a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people uh, tend to overlook that. But mm-hmm. also, uh, uh, just to touch on um, Illmatic real quick before we go to QG, I've said it before, but uh, the formula for Illmatic, I like to call it the Michael Jackson Thriller formula because. The <laughs> Not what was it? Nine songs and seven of the nine were singles. If I if, if, if I'm if I stand corrected. Yeah, and, it was, a, and, uh, a, and yeah, a few of them yeah, did not have videos. Intro. Yeah, not including yeah, the, not intro. the intro. It's nine. It's a, it's about nine tracks that was recorded. And almost every song had a video. Not every song, but. And uh, Rev, Rev, if you're listening out there, we know we know Illmatic is too short by your standards, but you you can't knock it. Nah. <laughs> it kind of it kind of set the blueprint for a lot of rappers. I even read that the Notorious Big wanted to use similar type of beats from Illmatic and Puffy was against it. It's Illmatic just kind of set the standard for everybody, not only just for the East Coast, but for rappers that came after because people were just waiting for real good technique and lyricism to come back because at the time we all mentioned the west coast was really 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 pushing you know with the production style and we needed somebody to come out and just bring back that essence of just storytelling and great lyrics and and you got to think you know Nas at the time he's 19 20 you know he's he's still a young man and he was able to bring that energy that New York needed and Queens needed and it and KRS said it himself in an interview Queensbridge won you know after the Shan battle people thought Queensbridge was finished even though you had other MCs come out from there and still hold it down but the wave that Nas was able to push with Illmatic it still it still stands the test of time today with music and it's one of the most influential albums ever oh yeah absolutely uh QG, what's your what's your first pick in this uh this quest? My first pick, I'm gonna give this man his flowers. It's well deserved. 
I'm going to go with the DOC. No one can do it better. Ooh, yes, sir. Yes, I got to give this man his credit. This album came out on August 1st, 1989 off Ruthless Records. And it was number one in two weeks. Can I interrupt interrupt you real quick? Because you know I got to do it, right? What? Stop him in the tracks, show him that I am ruthless. <laughs> yes, indeed. That was a great, great, great uh, soundbite right there. With this album here, ah, I mean, the doc, what can you say about this guy? Coming all the way from Dallas, Texas, hooked up with the NWA. Dr. Dre was his DJ. And when you listen to this album, you got It's Funky Enough, you got Mind Blowing, you got The Formula. You got the grand finale. You got Portrait of a Masterpiece. You got Beautiful But Deadly. There's so much going on here on this album because we all know the doc. You know, he wrote raps for Dr. Dre. He wrote raps for Easy E. And he was just waiting for his opportunity. And then when it came out, storytelling, technique, lyricism, he could rap slow. He could rap fast. He, you know, he did it all. And he was just an amazing piece to that group of NWA and Ruthless Records. And for him to come out at that time, and the album eventually did go platinum of April 21st of 1994. And it's kind of bittersweet because of what happened to him, that car accident that crushed his larynx. He didn't let it stop him. He still was able to write rhymes and put songs together. He even came out with the album Helter Skelter after that in 1996. But one thing that I do want to point out about the doc is he reminds me of the Robert Ori of the NBA because he's the guy that you could give the ball to and he's going to knock it out the park. It could be 10 seconds. He's going to hit that three-point bank shot easy, just like that. And I say that because without the DOC, there is no Snoop Dogg. He was able to take Snoop and sit down with him and help him craft his rhymes. Snoop was just a good rhymer, good rapper, but he didn't know how to structure songs. The DOC taught him how to structure songs. If you didn't have the DOC, you still wouldn't have the chronic. Even though you had Snoop, you needed somebody there that can paint those pictures together. As great as Dre is as a producer, as good as Snoop Dogg is as a rapper, you needed somebody to bridge those two worlds together. And I feel the doc is that bridge. I still say is because he's still around. He still has a lot of artists that came out under him from Texas and from the West Coast. He moved to Los Angeles, obviously, later on in his career to be closer to Dre. And he was there with Death Row Records. So I want to give the doc his due. If anybody out there played True Crime Streets of L.A., you know about the songs. So shout out to the DOC, man. All the best to him. And he's still out here, still doing his thing. You, You failed to mention my favorite song when you entered a list of songs, though. And what is your favorite song, Candyman? The the doc the 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 doctor the the doc the the, the I doc. said mind blowing. No, that's mind blowing. That's the doc in the DOC, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh no, you're right. The, it is blowing. All right. The, I got the, yeah the doc yeah the doc and the doctor is 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 a lot is a is a slower song. It's the diggy diggy doc, y'all. That record. Oh, no, you're right. But uh, and we can't forget Ice Cube on uh. Why, why'd you have to botch that line on the grand finale? My said, stay in your ass like cholesterol. Yeah, cholesterol. Yo, <laughs> that was have, funny. Do I have to put Cube on Lyrical Trees in, Mr. Cube? Yeah, I mean, eventually you probably have to do it. But it's striking enough. That was the last song that the group did together. As yeah. far as in full with Cube. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people... Uh, when you when you pick anything from Ruthless Records, DOC gets overlooked a lot because you know they had Bone Thugs, they had NWA, they had Easy himself. Yeah. So definitely, uh, definitely a worthwhile pick. All right, so I guess it's my turn, and you know where I'm gonna go. All right, where you going? I kick that ass like Bounty the. <laughs> 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 oh but no. Sucker. Bro, I got to go with Strictly Business by EPMD, man. I can listen right, to that right. album through. And, and and Rev, I know if you out there listening, this probably don't count in your books either. But 10 tracks, uh, 
you know, what can I say? Strictly business. Let the funk flow. You got to chill. It's my thing. And my personal favorite, your customer. Oh, man. Like, uh, I don't know why, but like, Pat, on this album, like, Eric and Parrish are just doing the damn thing, man. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I remember watching the uh, unsung episode of BPMD. And Daryl from Run DMC was saying, yo, when EPMD came out, a lot of people were, were worried as far as groups and duos because they felt EPMD was going to take over. This was when uh, this was when It's My Thing came out. And then, you know, when they dropped it, you know, just the way that they were going back and forth rhyming together. It was just one of them great duos, man. And they were with uh, Rush, right? Yep. Yep. Russell, well, no, they Russell were. They were Rush Management was the management they were under, but they were on Priority Records, believe it or not. Yeah, they were. Right. Rush was yeah. their. Russell was their manager, and they were under Priority. They were on Priority, and um, they had another label called a uh, Sleeping Bag Records that they were under too. Oh yeah, but what an album though, man! Like, especially with you guys to chill. Anytime you 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 sample more bounce to the ounce, and you put that together on a record, Parrish said. That was one of his favorite songs. So once he put it together, it just came perfect. And interesting enough with Eric, you know, a lot of people didn't really catch or didn't really understand or know. Eric talked with a lisp. Right. And he was able to mask it when he would get on that mic. He found a way to fix that technique and it worked out for him and it made his voice sound unique and different. And just them coming out and the controversy too with Rakim being from Long Island and then EPMD being from Long Island and then they said, you know, different crews and different people started to talk and say, Oh, he, he took a shot at you on this. Oh, he said this about you. So it's kinda it was kinda interesting to, to see that, especially when they thought that they sounded just like the R, but you know, they were different. And right. you know, and shout out to uh Eric and Parrish, because you know, anytime they get together to records or do shows it's a beautiful thing and you can hear them on the king's disease 2 album Nas album they're on there with the song with eminem so epmd still sound good when you hear them they should have done something a long time ago as far as Nas and epmd do go <laughs> yeah man but shout out to eric shout out to p man he, i mean that's one of my favorite albums too and it's funny it's funny that uh it's funny that you mentioned samples earlier because this was one of the albums in the late 80s where a lot of folks in the music industry was cracking down on unauthorized samples because if you listen to this album every track is a sample so mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. even though they crafted a masterpiece uh it, it severely affected the <laughs> the, the the rap game uh ever since so what a year though was it what was this 88 88 yeah, everybody was coming out in '88 with fire. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. So, go on, Mister Mister To. What's your second pick? Well, I think at times that in the '90s, or let's just say the late '90s, when we was getting a little bit too comfortable with just ice and money, not this motherfucker named DMX. So, well, I'm about to go with this, everyone. <laughs> it's dark and hell. It's hot. Let me tell you something. Everybody who's a rap fan may remember the whole Jiggy era, you know, from the whole bad boy who helped create that whole type of style and era, dancing, you know, talking about the ice and money. And then certain people try to follow that formula, whether it was Jay-Z, even LL, which well, I ain't going to mention that album. But... um. <laughs> You still talk about that album, man. Oh, only only few songs. Only few songs I could tolerate. But I, I just wasn't a fan of Phenomenon. But back to DMX. DMX was just like this guy that, like, he let you know. He had no friends. This is just, it's just him and his dog. And to me, it's dark and hell, it's hot. It was the way of shifting back to the streets. Like, DMX came over and he took it right back to the streets. So that was a warning that the shiny suit era was dying. But um, the, the album, the lyrical content was great. 
he had some stuff that makes you want to be like and and a lot to, not to mention he was really advocate of having god on his side too so there was not just some guy who just come in who just says oh you know he just you know like the crazy gritty stuff but he also had songs like the prayer skit even one of them and um the features you you know that posse cut niggas done started something I mean, that ain't one of the most craziest posse cuts. Even though I feel like it's almost 24 hours to live part two, just minus Black Rob. The rest in peace to that brother, too. But um, stop being... And he had singles. Stop being greedy. Where my dog's at. Um, and and this is, this is where I like DMX. Because Damien. Now you're getting to see another side of DMX. So now he's giving you the side of, like, the light... And then you also got the side of Damien, which, you know, that could be like the devil or Lucifer and everything. And he uses the Damien character later on in his career, too, for the next um, album. And um, what was it? Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Yeah, part two for that. And I think part three was on um, the Great Depression, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. Although, if I'm not, although, is it me or did he sound like he used Damien for that one little quick second on that song from... um, and there, there was X. What was that song? Was it Fame? I I believe it was Fame. I know the part you're talking about. He's like, I'm gonna live forever. I'm never gonna die. That 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 record. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of just jumped in and just said that little line. And I was like, <laughs> wait, hold up, that's Damien. <laughs> it's like it's like wait a minute, Damien, because I didn't see the name on the track list. It's mm-hmm. like oh, he just jumped in and just said that little line, and then. X went on from there. But yeah, it's a powerful album. Game changer for sure. It was a game changer for hip hop. And this is one of the albums like in 1998 that everybody was eating off, you know, because 1998 was a game changer of hip hop as well. But again, DMX just had that strength and you know he always had that signature growl. And and the wisdom and and like I said, his his unique style is what captivated me to listen to that album so many times until I can go on further to his other accolades and career albums as well. But DMX, It's Dark and Hell is Hot is another favorite album of mine. It, it was the most anticipated album of that year, I feel, yep. because all the features that he was doing prior, people were just waiting. Bro, the just features. Waiting for this I album. mean, 4321 feature. You had Shut Up Down feature. You had uh, 24 Hours to Live feature. So... At that yeah, time, yeah. people are like, yo, who is this guy? It's almost he like cannabis as well. It's just that DMX had a better, you know, standout. He was he was cooking. And, and and the thing I love about it, too, the production fit his style, his delivery, his aggression. And sh- shout out to Dame Grease, too. Dame Grease, Irv Gotti, Swizz. These guys put in work on that album. And yes. It just, it, it just, it just, and it was, it was simple. As far as the the cover, just a red cover with him on it, and then the back is just him with the with the tattoos, and it was raw, it was gritty, it was hungry. You could hear the hunger and pain inside of him. And X X is just is just unique. A lot of people don't talk about um, the storytelling capabilities either. The way that he could create characters. You mentioned yes. Damien. It takes an artist and a genius to do something like that, and I felt that X really really brought that to the forefront and he's a battler too man you can find x in the middle of cyphers just going crazy you know what i mean and bringing that same energy wherever he's at mm-hmm. so that's that was a huge 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 album man oh yeah but shout out to shout out to rough riders and rest in peace to once a man to dark man x man i miss that guy my yeah. my only my only and that's a great album my only flaw with the album and it's not just this album that does it I just hate when they put skits on the same track as a song. Because uh, they understand how's it going down. Yeah, how's it going down? Which was a funny skit, by the way. That actually was funny as shit. <laughs> you know, you you know, you want to hear a joke? So go ahead. One of my uh, mother's former coworkers, who she used to work with, he knows the guy who was on that skit. No way. Yeah, because when the album when the album debuted and everything, I had the album with me and I took it to my mom's job. You know, I was just, you know, I went to go see her and everything. And my dude, shout out to Dennis. Shout out to my guy, Dennis. Love, love him. 
we I played it for him. And then he was he's like, yo, that's my dude saying that crazy stuff on this guy. I said, You serious? <laughs> I just started laughing. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting how things come full circle. You never know who you meet who or who knows what, but I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. All right. QG, yeah, your turn. We're gonna stay in Long Island for my second pick. We're going to go with The Most Beautifulest Thing in This World by Keith Murray. I was not expecting Keith Murray to come up on today's show. What's up? Hey, 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 but that's Cousin Keith. I got to give Cousin Keith his his, his props, man. This album came out September 20th of 1994 on Job Records. And, you know, he's he's another great Long Island native and he got to get his flowers, man. Let me let me tell you all about this here. First of all, he. He, you know, he grit his teeth being on the grind, sticking with Eric Sermon when the Death Squad was created, and he was just waiting for his opportunity. This came out in 1994, and here's some things that, that I want to put you guys on. Eric was the executive producer, but you also got some other production credit from Busta Rhymes and Redman. And, you know, uh, this album here, it debuted at number 34 on the Billboard, and it, it went gold. You know, I mean, he 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 went over 500,000 copies and I read I did some research. They say this album is now out of print. It, it is crazy. That's a shame, man. But uh, let's get to the tracks. Yeah, I know. Right. It's like, how, how do you how, right? You know, like, I mean, I guess you got to go online. You got to stream it. You got to hear you got to do something. But before we get to the title track of the album, Psychosomatic and Dip Dip. Die. And obviously, yeah, the most, be- the most beautiful thing in this world. A- anytime I hear that record, I can't say it the regular way. I got to say it the way he says it. You, you, know, the way the, he you know, the problem yeah. is with certain records, you can't say it regularly. You got to say it the yeah. way they say it. <laughs> and the way he just like his 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 lyrical capabilities, his wordplay. I mean, and not to mention you got you, you know, you got Herb is pumping. You got Straight Looney with Jamal, who who was also down. Get Lifted, which was a crazy track. And, you know, you got uh, you got Bambazi, which is another word for weed. You know, he, Keith, he's another one of those guys. Keith Murray you know. was a jerk. Keith Murray made me laugh for him saying about, ask Bill Clinton, he can verify that. Like, how did I always get that Bill Clinton for this shit? And again, you First, got another Ice guy, Cube, like you mentioned, like you mentioned earlier with DMX, Keith was on a lot of features. Yep. You know, Keith was coming up doing that first, and people were waiting for this guy, and he was like, yo, I remember listening to the song, and he was like, you couldn't see me if you ate a thousand carrots, and then when he was like, E, this might be my last album, son, and it, it was just his character, so it, it, it wasn't just animated, his energy, his aggression, his delivery, it was just unique, and he's a performer. When Keith was on that stage, man, he's, he, he's it, it's got to be a Long Island thing. You ever notice a lot of these performers from Long Island, besides Buster, besides Craig and everybody, they are really, really good stage performers. Chuck mm-hmm. D from Public Enemy, who's also from Long Island, is a great stage performer. So I just love how Keith was able to be different. He didn't sound like anybody else. He had his own style and he was able to bring it out there. And this album here deserves all its credit. It's one of the best debuts. If you want lyrics, you want some crazy off the wall antics? Got it right here. The most beautiful thing in this world. Okay. I can't, can't, can't argue that. I, I was definitely not expecting, uh, definitely not expecting Keith Murray to come up. It's, you know, it's funny. We don't talk about Keith Murray a lot here on the Rap Lab. Yeah, really. that's why. And, and, that's and why like you I said, really wanted to bring him up, man. Yeah. I got someone coming up next that I, I or last, let's just say, that I may bring up. And I think he deserves his flowers too. But Al, you next, man. So I'm going to I'm going to Queensbridge. We're going back to Queensbridge. The man oh, no. up until he dropped this album, the man was known for his work in the group. But then in the year 2000, this nigga prodigy said he's the head nigga in charge. <laughs> I love HNIC, man. I love HNIC. Like Yo, from uh, from keep uh, keep it thorough is like the classic, the classic hood song. I love that sample. I love yo, that sample. For yo, that, man. you know what? I, I since we on that, yo, Alchemist deserves his flowers as far as production, man. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. He yeah. deserves it. Big time. Because keep it thorough. When I first heard it, first of all, I thought I was, I didn't know that was a Prodigy song because I first heard it on the radio. I was like, oh, this must be New Mob Deep. I'm like, uh, Havoc, where you at? Uh, Havoc, where you at? Havoc, where you at? So I'm like, hmm. Okay. You know, shout out this, to shout out to Violator Management for doing for pushing. And it. also, also about Keep It Thorough, a lot of people don't realize it was very rare for a song to be on the radio with no hook. That's yep. true. And he said it on the record too. He told you on the song that there's no hook on this. Yeah, man. So shout outs to. You know what my other favorite on this one though is. Infamous minded, you've been blinded. No. Three, 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 three. I'm about oh, to say. Oh, three. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on a bench high eating chicken wings and French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> what a oh, song, man. man. But you know what my personal favorite track on this album is? I know what your first. I know what your personal favorite is, man. I'm the oh. young black entrepreneurs. Get yeah, money. Yeah, it, it was a good record. Hey. Oh, that's the one with BG. Yeah, that's a good joint. You got the insurance. BG went off. I go lie. Bro, good. but now see, here's the thing that that makes New Orleans look bad. It's a song about hustling and getting money, and this nigga BG talking about killing people. <laughs> but, I guess I guess I guess P said, "Yo, I mean, he had him in the studio. He wrote what he wrote and let him go." That's like too uh, short. <laughs> yo, you, you know what else um is actually a good song on this album that I actually liked uh. Diamond with bars and hooks. Ooh. Yeah, shout out to bars and hooks. Even though, even though the, the 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 hook came back to backfire because he's like, we ain't going platinum, we ain't going gold, we going diamond. Ten million sold, and the album only went gold. <laughs> Man, imagine if it did go diamond. At the time, you gotta think though, there was massive bootleg on. It was a crazy time period, and it's interesting. This album inspired Kendrick. It inspired Kendrick Lamar, who dropped YHNIC in 2003. Mm-hmm. So this was one of his influences. Even Wiz Khalifa was inspired with his ONIFC album. Yep. And so um, it's kind of really ushered for people to do, do that. The sleeper track is uh, dealt with the bullshit, dealt with the full clip. Ba, 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 ba. Love it, man. Prodigy's voice. Just, just the way, like his, his, his delivery is so gangster and so tough, and everything he says just hits hard. It, it like it cuts like a Ginsu knife. I also like the song with Nori too. You know what you rep. I thought that was that was fire. Anytime you get Queens coming together on a record, man. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's great, man. But you know you know what though, P. This really this really ushered in P. Because at one time P. Was labeled as the best rapper. Yeah. At one point in his career. You know what the you know what and it's funny looking if you ever like have the CD of HNIC like I do look in the book book was very interesting because there was supposed to be like a a mob deep movie and all types of shit that was supposed to come out that never came out man I well it came out with a movie eventually for murder music bro yep. I was prodigy yeah but this came out after murder music though yeah 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 I mean there was bigger I, plans for this but yeah. I, I, I wish I wish I, I wish prodigy was still alive so I could get a chance to talk to ask him about yo what was that movie gonna be about matter of fact I, and you know you got to talk to prodigy a certain way yo dumb what was that movie gonna be about or roll up a oop drink some EJ with that the easiest Jesus but uh yeah, easy Jesus um, your turn, uh, To your third and final pick for this for this uh, album. Damn, final pick already. All right. Well, wait. Cause a... you 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 had Illmatic, and then your second one was uh. Damn. Oh, uh, it's dark and hell is hot. Hot, right? All right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So now you now you got your third and final pick. I feel like I want to go on forever with this, but all right, cool. Um, we got to go back to the West Coast on this one. Cause uh, I, we we gotta give this brother his flowers, and um, this is off the back. Since I'm gonna give you a biggest hint, this man was born and raised in Compton. So with that said, my man DJ Quick, we gotta give him his flowers, cause <laughs> Quick is the name. Born and raised in. Now you're talking. In Compton. Let me tell you something. He's talking. he's yeah. one of the he's one of the most multi talented artists 
ever, especially to help grace the West Coast or confident himself as a rapper. He's he's really underrated as a rapper, and he damn sure underrated as a producer. But when I first heard that album, I said, yo, I like Quick, man. Because Quick was out before, but he had a mixtape. But... um. We, yo, we, that album nasty as hell with the with that, with that first track. <laughs> oh, sweet black pussy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my lord! I remember listening to that joint as a kid. <laughs> my mom's couldn't believe her ears when she was hearing coming out from that speak. I said, "Hey, I didn't record it. He did." <laughs> Who bought it? Who bought it though? I bought the damn thing. Oh, oh, I thought she bought it for you. All right, never mind. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, a variety yeah. of situations <laughs> sexually with women, though. But it did help you know that he was, in, you know, professing his love for, like, black women and stuff. But um, he another one that had a lot of samples in his oh, yeah. uh, albums. And one of my favorite songs, of course, I just mentioned it, Born and Raised in Compton, because that Isaac Hayes sample, my goodness. Ooh. His rhyme style is, is, is unique, too. Yes. Besides his voice. Yeah. His voice is very special. He still has it till this day. He still raps that way. He, he can switch it up if he wants to, but it's just different. And of course, he was influenced by by Easy E. You know, Easy E was one of his yep. homeboys. Easy had the same high pitch, but Quick took it to another level with the rhyme. Like he could rhyme fast. He could rhyme with a regular, regular, regular speed. And when you look at that record, you know, besides Born and Raised in Compton, Tonight was another one. Just a laid back video, you, cool you. video. You you yeah. you and, and samples Betty yo Betty Wright's another one I realized she's been sampled a lot. That was genius. Shout out to the late Betty White. That was genius, man. And and just and just just listen to an eight ball, which was another one. Yep. Like, oh man, it was just it was just so good, man. That well, what an album. How many tracks was on there again? It was How about uh was, was it thirteen or fifteen? I think. Was it thirteen or fifteen? I was I I, I want to say. 13. I think I it was 13. Thir- 13. 13, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, 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 and one of these albums yeah. we came and would ever, would ever make it to the Rev Barber MC uh <laughs> It'll chop them up because they're not that, they, you know, because they're not that lengthy. But, hey, this is where quality stands up. Yep. The album went platinum. It yeah. definitely did, and he deserved it. And like I said, Quick, Quick is still out to this day. But, um, we got to give Quick his uh his uh, flowers yeah. out here too because he yeah he made profile records a lot of money yes and and that people you know we we say Compton you know but I think this helped put you know revive Compton a bit too because I wouldn't say Compton was dead even after NWA broke up but at the same time it's like Quick help shift the momentum yeah. for Compton back still, again yeah like he he helped he helped bring it to uh I. A semi-commercial sense, because he was still labeled underrated, because you had him, you had CMW, you right. had King T coming out of there. So even after, because this album came out, what? 91. 91, right. So it was a different time period. NWA was was on the, on, the, on the split, and, you know, things was going in a different direction. So, And I love the fact that Quick didn't try to do what NWA did. He did it mm-hmm. his own way, and he created his own formula. And he introduced artists that nobody seen yet. Second to none. Second to none. Yep. Yeah. AMG made his debut. Like it was great, man. I think. Um. Oh man, did he um use one of the X Clan's voices? And I think it was in Grand Verbal. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Oh, I'm sorry, Deep. That's what it was. It was one oh, of the uh, people. Oh yeah, deep, hot, deep, deeper than Atlantis. That that, that joint. Yeah, he used a sample from one of the um X clans. I think it was Jay. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And <laughs> I still remember the album cover, man. Quick had had the Jerry curl and he had the black hat and yeah. <laughs> hey, what was that track that he had that had that the the bum bud with the <laughs> like that oh, little yeah, reggae yeah, fit? Yeah. Yeah, the bump bud. Yeah, sometimes I smoke it. I feel like I love that record. But yo, good reggae, reggae uh, tip. And he another one that had that just. To me, what I liked about debut albums, a lot of people 
were not trying to give you like just the most lyrical part, but they also talked about what goes on and what they grew up on. Like Quick and them were talking about what happens in Compton. Niles would tell you like all the 41st side of Vernon Boulevards, the Queensbridge and everything. So that's that's what I always loved about the albums back then. Even debuts. Absolutely. Even debuts. All right, QG. Well, shout yeah. out to DJ Quick, man. You got to get his flowers, too. Yeah, oh, oh man. Shout out to Quick. For sure. Shout out to Quick, man. Love him. All right. We're going to go to Brooklyn. Uh-oh. We're going to go to Brooklyn. Oh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> okay. Well, you want to take a guess? I have a reasonable doubt or ready to die. Nope. Oh, Big Daddy King? Nope. And a big birthday shout out to Big Daddy King, too. Uh-huh. The sun rises in the east. Oh, Jeff. the damager. The damager is in. Gotta give J. Rule. The damager is in the house. This album here, and it's eerie because of the album cover. First of all, we know what we're celebrating. We know what we're looking at. It's very important to discuss. We don't have a lot of time for it today, but we want to acknowledge the 20 years what happened at the World Trade Center. And I say that because on the album cover of J. Rue, the Twin Towers are up there. And what you see is one of the is 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 one of the towers on fire. Yep. And it's interesting because it depicts only one year after the 1993 bombing of the North Tower. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of eerie that you see that. And this album came out in 1994. But, I, you know, we say that to let everybody know we send our prayers and acknowledges for anybody affected, all the people that died, all the victims, all the innocent people yeah. that were killed that day. And this is on the album cover, The Twin Towers. So I can't mention it without mentioning this to all the people out there who lost someone. And it was a very, very tragic day. But to get back to what we were doing, uh, this was recorded in D&D. And, uh, you know, DJ Premier, shout out to him. He was the main architect behind this whole thing. And it, and it got great positive reviews. This is one of those albums that were, was part of the East Coast wave because you had Wu-Tang come out. You had Black Moon come out. These these came out in, in around the same time. So so now you hear this guy on the Gangstar Records. You know, you got the Gangstar Foundation. The dirty rotten scoundrel himself, the root of damager. He comes out with the original. And that's when you get that scratching of dirty, 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 dirty rotten scoundrels. And then this man is rhyming with science. He's rhyming with lyrical capabilities. His wordplay, his pen, it's beautiful. Brooklyn took it. I wish they I, I wish they would have shot a video for Brooklyn took it. According to Jay Rooted Damager, he said Biggie told him, yo, if you ever shoot a video for Brooklyn took it, I just want to stand right next to you in the video, man. And I'm like, damn, man. I, I mean, I wish they would have did it. I love mental stamina with Afra. Yo, yo, were those guys going off or not on that? Yo, record? bro. Especially, especially when he says, my mind goes mind. through your lines. Oh, what was that? God. We said my mom's go through your lines. Oh man, I had it in my head too, but yo, yo mental stamina he, was my bro, favorite. He broke down the periodic table. <laughs> <laughs> that who was... uses the period? Who who uses a line from the periodic <laughs> table in their record? You got to be on some other type of tip with that. Nobody was doing that. Um, <laughs> ain't the devil happy? He talks about religion. You can't stop the prophet. Come clean, which is interesting because. You guys know where he got that where he got that background sound for Come Clean? I'm talking about Premier. Do you guys know where that came from? Where? That came from water dropping in a pail. That's <laughs> Premier for you. When you hear that, doom, 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 that's water dropping inside of a bucket. I said, huh? what, what kind of evil genius are you to come up with something like that? Yeah, that's Primo for like, you. It was um, and jungle music. From top to bottom, this album is fantastic. It's 13 songs on there. You know, today, the lucky number is 13 because we got a lot of songs that got 13 <laughs> tracks on it. So this is 13, and it's just top to bottom, a staple of East Coast rap. Shout out to Jay Rule. He's yeah, another one that, there, yeah, another one that deserves his flowers. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah, come on. Just give it to him. And, and, that's, and, and, that's, and that's Brooklyn born right there, man. That's Brooklyn, Brooklyn born. Brooklyn all the way, 
That's Brooklyn, man. Come on. That's a hardcore album right, right there, man. J. Rude the Damager, man. And all you people out there that listen to Hot 97, shout out to Hot 97. When you hear, when they got the segment, you're playing yourself, that's a J. Rude the Damager song. Everybody do their homework on that. You're playing yourself as a J. Rude song. Every time they play it on the radio, they play it on the radio every morning. Hot 97. I'm talking about Ebro, all the rest of them. They play this. Shout out to uh, Laura Styles. Shout out to all of them out there. You know, Peter Rosenberg and them. They play this on there. So give J. Rue his flowers. And uh, while we're on the topic of J. Rue and we shouting people out, uh, shout outs to the whack rappers out there from Brooklyn who don't know who J. Rue's damager is, too. I don't know how you from Brooklyn, born and raised, and don't know who J. Rue is. And J. Rue was one of those dudes who could go bar for bar and hold his own with the likes of Biggie and all these other Brooklyn rappers in the 90s. But I digress. No, yeah, J. Rue was able to stay. I mean, he's been he's been battle tested. You know, he like there was some things between him and the Fugees. He and you know, everybody beef too, no? Him and who? Him and Biggie had beef too. He, according to J. Rue, it wasn't about Big. He loved Big. It's just he didn't like how rap was becoming commercialized. So his targets were it was mostly Puffy. You know what I mean? He was going at Puff pretty tough. He mentioned, uh, he, he he even went at, uh, especially sexual explicit lyrics, he kind of went at Fox a little Fox, bit. Fox, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. And then, you know, he didn't like how, he didn't like where rap was going. And I and if you listen to him carefully on his second album, you know, he oh, talks God. about, I didn't know, he said, Apple I didn't man. know, yeah, he said, I didn't know Hustlers confessed in stereo. It went from Jimmy Hats to peeling your caps back, you know, like he was talking. So, that's what that was. But it's kind of crazy with Big because when Big responded on kicking the door, you know, Big died. So well, Jay Rue said it. What am I going to do? That was my boy. I'm not going to diss him back when he and did. And it's funny because on the next album, he went from mental stamina to physical stamina. <laughs> <laughs> he had to switch it. Yeah. They both yeah, had to switch it because it was the same two again. Yeah, man. He had to switch it up a little bit. But shout out to Jay Rue. Still active, still out there. Homeboy deserves everything. And he is he is a true staple and blueprint. For Brooklyn and East Coast rap. All right, and for this, uh, for this last pick, we we kind of leave in New York, but we kind of staying in New York, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What you got? As you know, this guy was a was a seminal figure in the West Coast hip hop scene. He left the group he was in, hooked up with another group from New York that produced. His album, Uh-oh. And, and he shows up in the Apollo with his Jerry Curls cut off. Oh, that will be Mr. Q himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I'm talking about America's most wanted. So backstory for the people who don't know. Obviously, Ice Cube from NWA leaves NWA and Ruthless Records over a contract dispute. And then all of it, and then and the most unlikeliest of moves, hooks up with Chuck D and the Bomb Squad. Good, Good job. It worked. America's Most Wanted is one of those albums that when I first started listening to rap and started my album collection, it was one of those albums I had to get because the album is deep. You go, you got songs like A Gangsta's Fairy Tale, uh, Once Upon a Time in the Projects, where I don't know if you guys noticed from knowing me personally, but do you know I quote that song a lot when, when we talk about places I would never want to live? I always say, well, it's a great place to visit, but I'd never want to live there. <laughs> that's that that's that Bugs Bunny sample. Yeah, so uh that's that. Uh Yo Yo gets introduced to the world on this album. Um uh, so uh it, it's a man's world, so oh and uh of course um every 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 cube album had to have a message, so you know, a message to the Oreo cookie. And then you know <laughs> But uh, Endangered Species is my favorite song on the album, him and Chuck D. Great song. They both really, they they, they meshed very well together. Chuck D and Ice Cube, it a was lot, so good. A lot of people don't realize, they, they really went to the news and sampled Tom Brokaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did, man. Tom Brokaw. That was, that, was, that was so dope. That song with Flavor Flav makes me laugh, too. <laughs> oh, you talking about I'm, I'm only out for one thing? <laughs> Yo, Flavor Flav is a fool, man. Just the way he gets on there with the... You could tell they were probably freestyling. Flavor's probably freestyling on that record. Two tears in the bucket, mother of me, even Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. And I was like... <laughs> and you know what's Yo. crazy? 
like after he left NWA, he was on the New York tip heavy because I don't know if yeah. y'all remember on the Public Enemy album that dropped the same year, uh, Fear of a yes. Black Planet. Uh, he's on Burn Hollywood Burn with with uh with Big Daddy. Yeah, Daddy. him and Kane. Yeah, that was dope. In fact, he was also in the um, he was in the Cypress Hill video when they shot it in New York. How could I just kill him, man? Yep. Um, my man Ice Cube said Ice Cube is down with the PE. But um, yeah. But you know what's funny though? Past yeah. 1990, he don't mess with New York no more. It's like I feel like that was just one year of his life where he came to New York and then. Dev certificate comes out the very next year and it's back to the LA sound. Yeah, I I I feel because you know he needed a change of scenery. He needed a fresh start. It kind of reminds me of Snoop. You know, when Snoop came to New Orleans, ah, he needed he needed no he, he, yeah, he needed it. He needed he needed a break. He needed a change of scenery and get that inspiration, get that back. And Cube said it himself. He wanted to work with Dr. Dre on America's Most Wanted, but Jerry Heller wouldn't allow it. So he was like, if I can't get to him, I got to get to, you know, the Bomb Squad, who, who's, who's another one of my favorites. So once he linked up with them, never looked back. And then and Sir James came in and the mix and it was good. And even after the breakup, he still sampled some stuff from N.W.A. that you can hear and, through the album. And the album went gold fast. I think it went gold in two weeks. And uh, just out the gate, the energy, you know, the and you love to hate. One of my favorites, though, is You Can't Fade Me. I love that song. Because the, the way the girl is pregnant and she's trying to play Cube saying it's his baby. And then and then that that last verse. Oh, my God. He was like, I started smiling. Yeah, because it read negative. Damn. Why did I let it live? After that, I should have got the get and busted, rushed and ill and pilt the cap. I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> That's the one with the whole JD's gaffling after that? Yeah. 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 Yo, man. Cube. Woo. That album gets the that album gets the uh, juices flowing, and I and of course one of your favorites though to you always track number fourteen. I, I know who's, who's the back. back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need exactly. to bring that up. <laughs> I had who's to do, the back? bring that That's up. That's a good song. That's a great song, man. Who's yeah, the back? Is. Isn't that brother in the big hat? Yeah, come on. Nah, nah man, but uh, nah, this album. And I, and I, and and it's crazy because I think Sir, didn't Sir Jinx do production on this too? In addition he to did. the bomb, he sure did. He helped. He Sir helped Jinx him. really, Sir Jinx really stepped up, man. He co-produced a lot of songs on here. Funny, Cube said a lot of these songs was already written. He had a notebook full of rhymes and songs. Some of these joints was for Easy. I can't picture Easy spitting nothing like this. Easy was supposed to get. Uh, he was supposed one song in particular, "Against This Fairy Tale," that was supposed to be for Easy, because any rhymes he had, Cube changed it back to what it was original intention. It was going to be like, "Little girls, boys, they all love me. Come sit on the lap of Easy E." That's how Cube broke it down. Wow, mm. uh, yeah. I, if this is not one of the best debut albums in history, then. I don't know what uh, I don't know what anybody's thinking, but you can't you can't sleep on Cube, man. Uh, no, no way. Cube was Cube was untouchable in the early '90s. I'm sorry. Another priority release. I mean, I draw the line with Cube in 2000, but in 1990, he, that boy was hitting. And so uh, was Death Certificate after that. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and it's funny because with this show, you know what we wanted to do. We could have went so many different areas. We could have picked because the, there's so many debuts that we have not mentioned on here. Obviously, it would take us forever. But you know, can I ask y'all a question? Since uh -huh. we're talking about debut albums, yeah. Uh, Candyman, you could go first with this. Why is it so important for an artist to have a solid debut? You know, some people, you know, some people can have a debut and it don't go so good. They won't get it right till the second album or third or whatever, or they might not get it right. Why is having a, a debut solid so important? You got to set the tone. And as we know, music is a business. So if, if your first album, you don't have nobody, you don't have any previous body of work for anybody to go off of. And this is your first album. Me as not only a little. If you, if, if, if you. Yeah, and this this is your first work. It sets the tone because now if your first album is garbage, 
Why would I want to continue to listen to the rest of your stuff or uh, anything else you put out? Now, granted, there have been some horrible debut albums. For example, um, T.I. T.I. had a horrible first album, but he was able to bounce back from it. But I'm serious, yeah. But it's also because I'm Serious wasn't heavily promoted. And then, you know, he just happened to catch fire two years later with uh, with trap music. But sometimes you get certain guys who have bad debut albums. Ray Cash being uh, an example of that. Or, or albums wow. that are under... And yeah, you, you, ne- you never recover. Ray Cash. Whew. I just uh, bumped my music. Yeah. I agree with Al heavily, hundred percent. It's true. Matt, what you say, Matt? I, I, I agree. I agree with what everything Alfred said. It's like you got to set the tone. To me, it also depends on you got to have a great, solid album. It's almost like an appetizer, and you do not want that sophomore jinx after that. So let's just say, like, I'll give you a good example. Kanye West, the college dropout, was actually, you know what? Fuck that. Ice Cube himself. America's Most Wanted was like one of the most ruthless, if anything, craziest debut as a solo artist. So now you got to come up with something crazy. It's like your first album is a great appetizer. Now you got to you got to help break that sophomore jinx. You got to come with a full course meal. So deficit certificate is what they will people will call Cube's greatest album ever. So he he did not um, fall into that sophomore jinx. But again, when you come with, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. To me, a guy rest his soul. I hate this happened. Capital Punishment. Solid, yeah. solid, solid album. Great debut. Great, Great debut. debut. But when Yeah Baby came out, unfortunately, he didn't get to see the light of it because he passed away. It was good, but it's it wasn't like how capital punishment is i felt jay-z went through that shit too but the only thing that saved his ass was volume two even though that's his third album and it won a grammy people didn't appreciate reasonable doubt when it first came out as good as it is much 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 later on it aged well same thing with ready to die ready to die is a great debut Mm -hmm. classic debut into the 36 chambers is a great debut so it's like when you have a story behind the album, I feel that's what makes it successful. Because you, those albums that I just mentioned, there's a reason why it was pushed to the forefront. When you, when Candyman mentioned America's Most Wanted, Cube is leaving a group. There's a lot of pressure on this guy. Yep. So now the question is to see if he could stand on his own, and he proved it. And I, I, I mean, there's a lot of things you could. Uh, Trap Court Quest is another one. People say that. Um, people's uh that first album, they was it was a great great album, but then when Low End Theory came out, it's like oh yeah. shit, yeah, Low this End is, Theory just smacked everything. They off, just man. smacked like, everything off, including the first album. Even though Bonita Applebaum was a was a classic track, but look at look at just, right and look at the great Tupac. Apocalypse Now doesn't get boring enough credit. Boring. You stop Tupacalypse, it. You Tupacalypse stop it. Now, Tupacalypse Now doesn't get enough credit for what it is because this is raw Tupac, but then as Pac got older and Pac started to capture the formula, he got it right with the, with the sophomore and then obviously the third album and then everybody talks about All Eyes on Me, everybody talks about Machiavelli, but you see the process that Pac went through mm-hmm. in order to get. Some people come out with a great first album and then fall off. Or some people don't come off with a great first album and then pick it up later. And then some people come out with a, a horrible first album and everything else is horrible after that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it all depends on the artist. But you know what, though, and I'm sitting here thinking about it as we're talking about it, and I think this is a very valid point. So in the grand scheme of things, right, it's more important now in the streaming era to have a good debut album. You know why? Back in the day, let's say, I don't know, uh... 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, right? Let's say for whatever reason you didn't like that album. The record label and the artist already have your $15 or however much you paid for it. You can't get that back. Mm. With the streaming, you know, you can stream it once. They get their they, they get their little pennies and you can never stream it again and that's it. It doesn't cost you anything other than the subscription that you paid for the service itself. 
to to you know listen to the album, give it a chance, and just be like, nah, it's trash. True. Back then, buying a CD was way more risky than streaming it on the service. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people are coming out now that you don't know about, that you don't hear. They just drop. You know, back then you had to get a buzz. You had to find your way in. And now, you know, you got these guys that come out and they just drop a record and be like, well, who is this? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's interesting now in today's times with music. Like, and, and we could go, we could go around, around the way. Like, look at J. Cole. J. Cole, his, 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 his debut album, I mean, he was on the mixtape grind for sure. But then when the debut came out, it's good, you know, but and some people were like, hmm, compared to what we heard, we get you got to go commercial. Then he started to really merge both. I can go commercial, but I can still give you what you know me for. Once J. Cole understood that he didn't have to change, he just adapted the right way. You know what I mean? Look at look at Lupe Fiasco's first album. It's incredible. Yep. And I like the second one better, but the first and, one's incredible. And, and a lot of people say like they can't debate which is which which is what? Food and liquor or the cool is better. Because they love both albums. That's how good Lupe was. And he yeah. survived until that whole shit with Atlantic and lasers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Debut is very important. I love a backstory when it comes to a debut album. Look at the pressure that was on Lloyd Banks for his debut album. Because uh, all the all the all the all the mixtapes, all the fe- people were waiting for Banks, and Banks delivered. Uncle Fumore did very well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot riding on the debut when you when you drop it, and if you deliver, you set the tone. But like you keep mentioning before, T.O., about the sophomore jinx, now the pressure's on, can you do it again? Can you make an album better than your first one? Can you match it? Like I said, only few rappers, maybe few artists have done that so far. Not many. Yeah. Snoop had that problem. Uh, Unfortunately, he did. Doggy doggy style was so big and so incredible, but look what came out after that, the dog father. Which wasn't that bad. I it think it's that bad. I, I think every more everybody gives it more 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 criticism than it needs to. I just think I mean he I mean again there was no Dre. Dre left. We yeah. wanted Dre there. Pac was dead. Pac was dead. Like that just the time we kept saying Death Row was falling apart. Yeah. Like there's factors that go into a lot. You know what I mean? Like and you could you could pinpoint it. You could you could look around. Look at look at uh Another guy that I didn't mention, but I, I, you know, I wanted to if I had the time. Ludacris's first joint is Incognito. Mm-hmm. The joint he came out after. <laughs> back for the back first time. Back for the first time. I mean, come on, he cemented himself with that. But you see how it works. Sometimes you got to get that over that first hump, and if it hit, it hit. If it don't, it don't. And if it don't. You got to study the tapes and the formula and come out with something better. And he yeah. did. And you know what it also, also depends on? The regions. You know how strict That's New York reach, regions That's were. Because you know, you know how I'm about to bring in this conversation? And, and Al, this is not to bash him. Master P. Like, really, no one was really known for his first two albums. No, 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 no. You're saying it wrong. What? You got to say what he says. Well, what he said? Oh, uh. Nobody. Nope, nobody was checking for him at that time. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, I, I, I wouldn't diss Master P like that. But. No, it's not a diss. It's not a diss. But since, since Candyman likes to say it for certain people that I like, you know, it, it goes the same way. Nobody was checking for P at that time. Okay, let's just say no region was checking for P at that time. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, but what I'm saying is, look what happened until Ice Cream Man came, and which was that was like his third studio album, believe it or not. And there then when Gato D came, he got more exposure because now you hear East Coast rappers are referring to Master P. Jay-Z was one of them. He co-signed. And then MP The Last Dawn, that was like, you could say maybe the iceberg of his career, maybe. But it, Master P went through that. I want to shout out the ladies, too. Lil' Kim's first album, Foxy's first album, both were great. Oh, yeah. Rats first album. Fuck the fire! Shook up the place, yo, because she her first album was incredible, man. Like especially at that time. Fuck the fire! 
rap being male dominated and you know you you you, you got to do something to make yourself stand out she she stood up and stood her own the brat also the same goes for missy misdemeanor i love misdemeanor though misdemeanor is my favorite <laughs> super she, duper flies she up. can't stay in the rain ah that album is incredible man her debut was fire too and she followed up with uh, the real world which commercially went great yeah, and shout out to the pioneers like the Yo-Yos and and the Queen Latifahs and the even on uh, what's the name MC Light. And, yeah, MC Light's they, first album was incredible. So. And that that was that was a different breed right there. She could do. You chill. know how hard it is. You know something. I'm glad you brought that up, guys. Do you know how hard it was for the for the women like Queen Latifah, MC Light, and all the rest of them to drop when it's we talking about 88, 89. When you got Kane, KRS, LL, and Cool G, and Rakim all dropping albums around that time, that's that's tough and difficult. That was tough to do, but they did it though. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I know we tried to list every great, every great uh, debut album. We'd be sitting here all day, but uh, if the listeners out there want to email us, raplabpod at gmail.com. Or uh, Rap Lab Pod uh, on Instagram, DM us. Tell us what your favorite D, uh, DM. Tell us what your favorite. DM. <laughs> what's your favorite? What's your favorite DM? Oh man, I I I I can't get into that. <laughs> I tell you what, my favorite. I can't get into that. Not in public. But, uh, oh lord, oh lord. Uh, but uh, but yeah, DM us, email us. Tell us uh, what your favorite uh, debut albums are. Maybe we might have to get Rev on when Rev come back and do a part two to this. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll definitely ask him what's his favorite. Most definitely. But, yeah, we're going to wrap this up. It's been another episode of The Rap Lab. And uh, we catch you next week. Yes, indeed. Peace.